Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to FOJC Radio, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to FOJC Radio, where truth in the Word of God is found. Good morning and welcome to FOJC Radio Church. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper and when two or three are gathered in His name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us and here's Brother David. Good morning and welcome to the January 5th, 2015 edition of FOJC Radio Church. I am David Carrico and I am so very thankful to be with you this morning. We have been fighting a battle here at Ground Zero on many, many fronts. And as many of you know, and I am so glad to be teaching the Word of God this morning. It is so hard on me to be down for three weeks. And you can rest assured, if there was any way that we could have done it, we would have done it. But we are back for the first uh, broadcast of the new year, and we're so thankful for that. I am also very thankful. The Word of the Lord says, Unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And He has certainly been revealed to us. As many of you know, my Yearly physical showed a problem on my EKG, and that led to a stress test that said that uh, I had a problem with my heart, which led to a nuclear test that said I had a specific problem on the back of my heart that would take either a stent or an angioplast. So I went in for the heart catheter, and of course we, many of you were praying, and 
when I went in for the heart catheterization, they said there was no blockage and there wasn't even enough plaque to treat. So we give all glory to God and all thanks to you for your prayers and that mighty deliverance. We also have been mightily blessed in the midst of the storm. God always blesses. And uh, one of our listeners from the Atlanta area, and uh, you better watch out down there, Brother Maurice and Servant Mark, uh, Sister Rebecca O.J. is coming your way. And uh, she flew in and spent uh, a day with us. It was such a blessed time. And she has such a marvelous testimony. She came from southern Nigeria. And we, after the teaching this morning, uh, we're going to be playing her testimony. And it is uh, just a remarkable testimony from a remarkable young lady. And I know it's going to be a great blessing to you. Our lesson this morning is on the standard of ministry. And uh, I usually am not real warm and fuzzy about the new year. Uh, it's just another day to me, but I really feel that our ministry is coming through changes and transitions to where God is going to broaden our tent to make us even more effective to reach the lost and set the captives free, and I'm looking for a really fruitful year in 2015. It doesn't matter what judgment falls, and it might be because the judgment will fall that we will be more fruitful, but I'm excited about what the Lord is doing and uh, our lesson this morning is on the standard of ministry. And I'm going to be sharing some things that are going to be making us more effective than ever as a body in rescuing the perishing and setting the captives free. And as we do, we're going to be preparing our hearts to receive the word of the Lord this morning with uh, a time of worship. So let's prepare our hearts to receive the word this morning. shocked a few of the people gathered there, as with tear-filled eyes and with trembling hands, she took down her long dark hair from an alabaster vessel, precious ointment filled her hands, as she wept she kissed his feet and began anointing them. the Omega, the beginning and the end, and with her hand, she was holding on to his, and the source of life was right there in her hand. Now Simon says within his heart, Lord, if you only knew the kind of woman who's touching you, 
But Jesus knew about her past. He knew about her sin. Yet he saw in her a repentant heart that had come to worship him. With her hand, she was touching him. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And with her hand, she was holding on to him. And the source of life was right there. Tell me, why do we gather together in his name? Are we like the ones who merely watched? Tell me, is that why we came? Are we like this sister? Do we truly enter in? In spirit and in truth, have you come to worship him? And with your hands, are you touching him? And with your hearts, are you loving him? And with your hands, are you holding on to him? Then the source of life. Is right there in your hands. With your hands, are you touching him? The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And with your hands, are you holding on to him? Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for the many blessings that you've heaped upon us. Blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. And we thank you so much for my healing. We thank you for our computer that's up and running. We thank you for bringing Donna and me through this trial. And all of you that are fighting this war, I know that after... uh, 
the lambs came to visit us. They've been through the furnace. And Father, in Jesus' name, we just rebuke the devourer off their life this morning. Father, we just speak peace and victory to that home, Father. We just come against the enemy in Jesus' name. We speak victory and refreshing this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to all of our listeners that are fighting that good fight, Father, by the in the name of Jesus, let the power of your Holy Spirit rest upon us and make the word real to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. The standard of ministry. The Apostle Paul from the Roman prison wrote thus, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And it is certainly a wonderful thing to have brothers and sisters in the Lord that when you think of them, you just thank God. And we certainly have many of you this morning that fit that category. Always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace." Now, we want to look at some things in verse 7. And the first thing is the word partaker. And that word partaker is the Greek word sukonanos. And what that means is that you are a companion. You are a joint partaker. Now, this is the word that the tele-evangelists use to say, a partner. And that's not a wrong concept, but of course it's always be my seed faith partner. That means that if you give me $50 a month, I'll be your conduit of blessing. And if you don't sow your seed faith, you won't be blessed. Blah, blah, blah. You know the story. That is not what this is talking about. That is a perversion of the Word of God that totally misses the point. And we are partakers, and what Paul is thanking God for is for their partnership in the gospel. Now, the Philippians had just sent a material gift to Paul while he was in prison, and my goodness, the Lord moves upon some of you to help us materially, and we are so thankful for it. You know that. We could not do what we do without that, but that is not what this text is talking about. This is talking about a partnership in the gospel to accomplish two specific things. The first thing is in the defense. He says, in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Now, that word defense is the word apologia. And this is where we get the word apologetics. And Donna and I were intensely involved in the apologetics movement. In the 1980s, we worked with most of the big names in apologetics in that era. And um, in one summer, 
we did uh, 16 apologetic conferences in one summer. We were burning the pavements up and wearing out the tires. But what we're going to see this morning is that that movement should never existed because it is the job not only of the elders of the assembly, but of each Christian to defend the word of God. And that word apologia, it means a speech in defense of something. It is defending the gospel against those that would oppose and falsify it. And this is what the entire New Testament is about. And the reason why the apologetics movement arose in the 80s is this idea began to come in, and it came in with Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, and I don't know if that was the first, but it was a big instigator of it, he had a revelation that we shouldn't talk against the Mormons, we shouldn't talk against anybody or anything, and you know, this idea that this was just divisive uh, to do that, and this spread through the charismatic Word of Faith movement, and from there to infect the whole body, until today, this is just standard fare. And it became increasingly difficult to hold these conferences, and it to the point now, they're just about extinct. But they should never have existed, because it's the job of the leaders of the assembly and of every Christian to do this. And the entire New Testament, from beginning to end, it's apologetic. We see Jesus defending the truth and the word of God against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We see the Apostle Paul dealing with the Judaizers. We see the Apostle John dealing with the early seeds of Gnosticism. And from the front to the back, it's a battle and a struggle for the defense and the confirmation of the faith. And God wants to raise up authentic Christian ministry that will partner in presenting the gospel in the way it should be presented and in the spirit and the manner that it should be presented in. And that's what we're going to examine this morning, the standard of ministry. And we do that because we must do things God's way if we're going to get God's help in bringing about results. Now, let's go down to verse 12. Philippians here, chapter 1. Let's go down to verse 12. And we read here, and this is a prison epistle, the Apostle Paul being in a Roman prison. He said, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace." and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Now, in verse 17, that word defense is apologia. They knew, the Apostle Paul knew, and everyone that listened to him knew that he was set, he was ordained and called of God to defend the gospel. That is what 
everyone needs to understand that we as a ministry and as a body are set we are called and ordained of God as every true ministry is for the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. We defend it against those that would attack it and falsify it and we confirm it to those that receive it that they would know that the things that they are receiving are the true and right things of God. Now, the Apostle Paul here and, and this passage is sometimes used to say that, well, uh, you should never criticize anybody because Paul said he thanked God for anyone that preached the gospel. Well, Paul said that even if somebody preaches the true gospel from false motives, that he thanks God from it. But the Apostle Paul did not thank God for somebody that preached a false gospel. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, but though we, but though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. But Paul did say, in Philippians 1.18, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therein do I rejoice and will rejoice. Now, that word pretense is very similar. It's synonymous with the word hypocrite. There is much more pretense in ministry today than there is truth. And a pretense, if you're making a pretense of something, that means that you're putting on an air. You're portraying yourself to be something that you're not. And when the Apostle Paul was put in prison, he you, you might say he was the big fish in the pond. And when he was put in prison, there was a vacuum left in the preaching ministry. And the people, some of the people that filled this void... They were doing it out of right reasons, and some of them were not. Now, what pretense is? Uh, pretense means that these people, they taught the true gospel, but there were things that they were not saying because they knew that if they said those things, that they might wind up like the Apostle Paul in a Roman prison. I remember in Evansville, uh, years ago, there was a lady here that was on a crusade against pornography, and she wanted to shut down the dirty bookstores, and God bless her, nothing wrong with that, go for it. But I ran into her one day, and we had a conversation, and at that time, we were making quite a stir in Evansville on the issue of Freemasonry, and we began discussing the issue of Freemasonry with this person, and she said very quickly, the Lord has not called me to speak about Freemasonry and ran away from me like I had the plague. Well, this is not the way the Lord does. The Lord doesn't say, uh, now, um, Brother Gary, you're supposed to talk about Islam, but you're not supposed to talk about Freemasonry. You don't mention homosexuality, but you talk about this. I met another fellow. 
he says that uh, I'm called to re- refute Freemasonry. But I, I'm, the Lord told me not to do it within 200 miles of my home. Now, it was not the Lord told him that. It was the yellow streak up his back told him that. Because God calls ministries to defend the gospel against any and all comers. And a true minister of the gospel will not, because of pretense, skirt issues that will make them unpopular. Now, our ministry has been distinctively called of God to talk about things that are not popular. Freemasonry will, if you speak on the issue of Freemasonry, that will alienate you from almost every assembly of any size. Uh, The issue of satanic ritual abuse, the issue of the King James Bible, the issue of uh, the pagan holidays, the issue of the pre-trib rapture, the issue of once saved, always saved, all of these things we have been called upon by God to raise a standard to defend the truth of Christianity from those that would uh, apostatize it. And we are living in the most perilous of times because the greatest enemies of Christianity today comes from those that do indeed claim to be Christian. Now, let's go to the book of Acts. And we studied not long ago about the watchman and how that the watchman, if the watchman did not give clear warning that the blood would be upon his hands. And in in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, and ministers that preach from pretense and intentionally refuse to say things they know to be true to save themselves persecution they will be held accountable. And it's very possible that a minister could preach a gospel message, somebody hear it and be saved, and that preacher be lost and go to hell because he's preaching a right message, but he's doing it out of pretense and deliberately withholding truth from people to save his own hide. And there's a lot of things people preach on that gets them donations and a following. But there's some things that don't, you see, and a true minister of the gospel will not pick and choose, but they will come against the wolf in whatever way it comes against the flock. Now, in verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And it's very possible to hold the truth and hold it in unrighteousness because out of pretense you are deliberately withholding things from people that are necessary to their truth 
from the Word of God and their spiritual life. Now, let's go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. And you, you, you all would just not, well, you'd believe the battle that we're fighting here. Right now, they are remodeling in the apartment above us, and they have a big roller, and they're rolling down the tile, and there's a big roller right over my head, rolling back and forth. But roll on, roller. We don't care. We're on the air, and we're going to preach the gospel this morning. I tell you what, the devil is defeated. He's a liar. And Jesus Christ is Lord this morning. Amen. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now that word answer in 1 Peter 3.15 is the word apologia. And that means that it's not just my responsibility, but you. I'm asking you this morning to be a soon kononos with me. Be a partner with me in defending and confirming the gospel. It doesn't take a village, like Hillary said, but it takes a body to defend and confirm the gospel. Amen? It's not the job of one person or just of the elders. Every child of God is called upon to defend and confirm the gospel. Now, I want you to note the last three words, or the last four words in 1 Peter 3.15, with meekness and fear. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be meek in 2015. Yeah, I'm going to be meek in 2015. Yes, indeed. And the reason why it's important to be meek and we're going to talk a lot about this, but if you do not do things the Lord's way, you will not have the help of the Holy Spirit in what you do. Now let's look at something. We're going to look at one more scripture, then we're going to take our first break. Let's look at something in the doctrine of Christ in Luke chapter 21, and let's read in verse 12. And Jesus speaks to this very situation. In uh, Luke chapter 21, in verse 12, Jesus said, But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Now, a lot of preachers use this to say you're not supposed to study. They say they're so led by God, I don't study, I just open my mouth and God will fill it. That's the farthest thing in the world from what this is talking about. This is talking uh, about situations where we are really being persecuted and put on the spot and then it says, and at all times, that we rely on the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will give us a God-anointed answer for that situation. Now, if you allow yourself, we are to give our answer 
our apologia in meekness and fear. And if we go from meekness to anger, guess what? You have just forfeited the help and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you are on your own. And you're going to find real quick on your own what your little self-righteous rants will accomplish. It will accomplish nothing. And believe me, I speak from experience of one who has not always done things the right way in every situation. And I could tell you some funny stories, but I'm not going to tell on myself this morning. We're going to take our first break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to look at some extremely important scriptures that are going in to instruct us in things that are going to make us more effective than ever in 2015. We'll be right back with FOJC Radio Church. Yes, that's right. The B-I-B-L-E Online Bible School. It's going to be pre-recorded, playing on auto-DJ. You can go to Bible School in this hour. Contact us if you want to participate. Upon completion, you will be given an oral exam by David, and we will issue you a certificate from our ministry. took him to the common court, brutally he was flogged, till beyond all recognition, there lay the Son of God. The magnitude of what they'd done, they could not understand. They were just the instrument, and his blood was on our hands. We are the creators of the stars. What tore his flesh and through his blood was a sin within our hearts. We can blame the angry the God, but we are the creators of the stars. Surely we are innocent, some of us might say, we did not cry out for his death, none of us betrayed. How about those Romans and the Jews? Why, we all know it was them. But none of us stands blameless of what happened on that day. Without his blood, there could not be remission of our sins. 
his holy name this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to read Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. And I want to talk about the precise moment when we begin to encounter the enemies of the gospel. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. And what we have to understand is that our flesh will react in the exact opposite way that the Holy Spirit wants us to react. There's a, there's a antithetical relationship there. And when we are confronted with those that are denigrating the Lord his word and the things of God, we get angry, and we should. The Bible says that we should hate evil. That's an honest emotion. If somebody doesn't get angry when those things take place, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. And what the devil wants to do, he wants to take that honest emotion of righteous indignation and flip it into a response made in carnal wrath. And when we allow that to happen, we remove ourselves from the anointing and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I guarantee you that God can do more in five seconds than you can do in a year. That word fitly spoken and anointed from the Holy Spirit can melt a person's heart and bring them to conviction and repentance. Now, Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 
and we're going to read verse 15, then we're going to go down and read some very important instruction from the great apostle uh, concerning the standard of ministry. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. To do that of which we speak this morning, for to be ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that is within us. Be ready to give an apologia. And, and that means that you have to be ready to give uh, an intelligent response to those that ask you. That's going to take study, isn't it? That's going to take study. And the Word of God isn't something that uh, you're going to uh, make your friend if you just occasionally pick it up. It's a lifelong, constant pursuit with the Word of God. And you will never wear it out. You will never exhaust it. But if you pursue it in a right and reverent way... It will ever feed your soul and make you fruitful for the kingdom of God. Now, let's go down to verse 24. And I'm going to read verses 24 through 26 in a uh, block. Then we're going to go back and we're going to look at a lot of specific things here that are very important. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patient in meekness there's that word again we saw in 1 Peter 3:15 in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will now in verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive. And that word strive just means to argue. The word of God is not to be argued. The word of God is to be defended. We are to have an intelligent, structured response to defend the word of God and to confirm it to those that receive it. But we are not to take the truths of God and throw them for pearls be, be trampled under feet by spiritual hogs, the word of God is precious and holy, and we are not to strive. And our flesh wants to strive. Our flesh wants to argue. Our flesh wants to get mad and tell people what for. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. The reason why we must not, because that will remove you from the place the Holy Spirit can help you. The servant of the Lord must strive but be gentle. <laughs> now that is what, Donna? Not strive. Yeah, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Gentle. Now that's exactly the opposite of the way your flesh wants to react. Your flesh wants to be the Cro-Magnon man with the club in his hand to bash the forces of evil. But we must be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. That means that if you don't have something from the Word of God to share with them, you might as well shut up. If, uh, if you are not able to take the Word of God and teach on something, just be quiet. You're not going to help. And patient. You, you are to be patient. And 
This is the exact opposite of the way our flesh wants to handle it. But if you can either do it your way and have no results, or you can do it the Lord's way, and you can say the, see the captive set free. And here in verse 25, there's that word again, in meekness. And that means in a gentle and a kind way. And that doesn't mean that we're never to be bold and, uh, and brave. The Bible says of Moses that he was the meekest of all men. And Moses did some very dynamic things. But meekness speaks to our relationship with God that we understand that we can do nothing, but with him we can do all things. In, in, in meekness, instructing them that oppose themselves. And people that are captive by false doctrine and sin, they will come against you, but they're really opposing themselves. We don't fight against flesh and blood. The, the scripture here brings out the snare of the devil. And we have to understand that this just isn't an intellectual argument that I'm going to come up with five intellectual points that's going to convince this person's mind of people that are in bondage to doctrines of devils and whatever, they don't think logically, and they cannot even think logically. They're not even capable of constructive, deductive reasoning because their minds are blinded. And we have to understand that we can't just approach this from an intellectual level. We use the Word of God to bring conviction and repentance on an individual. And this apologia must be presented in a gentle, intelligent, yet direct and uncompromising way. And this is how. And this is so important. Let's go to John chapter 15. And I cannot emphasize this enough. And I believe that this is one of the real keys that is going to make our ministry this year more effective than ever. In John chapter 15, let's read verse 4 and 5. And this is something that we must ever be mindful of. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You know, you're a branch, you ain't the vine, and you can't bear fruit in yourself. you got to be hooked in. Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. We need to really understand this, that we are fighting a fight here. We need the help of the Lord. We need the help of the Holy Spirit because we are seeking to free people from the snare of the devil. And if we do not do it the Lord's way, we will see no results. And, and in fact, not only will we see no results, but we will do more harm than we will do good. Let's look at the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. And let's look at verse 19 and 20. There he is. James, chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Our anger will do nothing to bring about the things of God. And if we fall into that trap of the devil, we're going to be helping him and not hurting him. Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 23 and verse 33. And this is a verse that many times is brought up by those that don't like to play by the rules that the Lord lays down. And there are those out there in ministry, they're, I call them flamethrowers. They like to sensationalize and just uh, denigrate. And uh, it's like, you know, this woman, uh, Jesse Was uh, Wasserman Schultz, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, or she was the head of the DNC, and it was her job just to slime and denigrate the uh, integrity of anybody that would not be in line with them. And there's a lot of people that try to conduct Christian ministry in pretty much the same way. Now, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 20, 23, 33, this is what Jesus said. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? And we have to be strong in coming against sin. We have to be strong in coming against evil. But we better be careful calling names. And I want to call upon a couple wise old heads, Matthew Henry and Albert Barnes. And uh, Bible commentaries are, as one person said, all commentators are just commentators. And uh, we don't go with the opinion of any man over the Word of God, but it's good to get an opinion from uh, godly men and women that have studied and gone before. And uh, here's a couple worth listening to. This is what Matthew Henry says on Matthew 23:33. He said, Doth Christ call names? Yes, but this doth not warrant us to do so. He infallibly knew what was in man and knew them to be subtle as servants cleaving to the earth, feeding on the dust. And when you call somebody a name, you are saying that you have the ability to judge their heart. Now, this is above our pay grade. And we have to be very direct, but we have to understand that there are lines that if we go across, we fall into sin ourselves. And in our zeal to refute error, we become sinners ourselves. Much in the same way that the minister preaching a right message falls in to condemnation himself because of the pretense. Now, let's listen to what Albert Barnes says about this. This is the sternest language that Jesus ever used to wicked men. But it by no means authorizes ministers to use such language to sinners now. Christ knew that this was the true of them. He had an authority which none now have. It is not the province of ministers to denounce judgment or to use severe names, least of all to do it on the pretense of imitating Christ. He knew the hearts of men. We know them not. He had authority to declare certainly that those whom he addressed would be lost. We have no such authority. He addressed persons. We address characters. Boy, that's good advice. You see, 
we can speak, and I'm going to use Joseph Prince, as I often do, for an example. We can speak to what Joseph Prince says, and we can speak to what he does. But I cannot speak to the motives of my heart because that is above my pay grade. So I must be very careful to speak to the character and not to the person. As the old adage goes, we must love the sinner and hate the sin. And as to his motives, and his motives might be the very best in the world. And that doesn't matter. You see, I have dealt with Mormon missionaries and Jehovah Witnesses, and some of them have been the most sincere people you would ever want to meet. But that does not mean that they're correct. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. The, the motives of Mr. Prince's heart <coughs> are irrelevant. We must speak to what he says. And I want us to take this morning the Joseph Prince Challenge. And we have there uh, in the chat room, above the chat, below the chat, okay, thank you, Sister Donna, we have there below the chat the Joseph Prince Challenge. And we're going to take that this morning, and we're going to use this as a uh, challenge of one of the many, and we're going to respond to that this morning in apologia by the Word of God. And we're going to use this as an instance. And this is the Joseph Prince Challenge. And as you notice here, we have it there, and we have it documented. This is a documented statement from Joseph Prince. We have the book, Destined to Reign, there, and we have this page it's on. This is not conjecture. This is fact. We are not uh, going to judge his heart. We're going to judge what he says, and we're going to judge it, and it's a challenge. Let's listen to what he says. He says, the bottom line is that the Holy Spirit never convicts you of your sins. He never comes to point out your faults. I challenge you to find a scripture in the Bible that the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of your sins. Now, we're going to accept that challenge this morning. And this is such a frightening statement. This is just absolutely frightening. Now, let's go to the Word of God and let's respond to Mr. Prince with a little apologia. Uh, John chapter 16 and verse 8 and 9. And this is the principal passage from the doctrine of Christ on conviction and the role of the Holy Spirit in convicting. And even the humblest child of God, of which I consider myself, understands that when you adopt wrong practices and wrong attitudes, that the Holy Spirit will convict your heart and let you know you're wrong. If you know what I'm talking about, just raise your hand this morning. Say, Amen. I, I see that hand out there. Amen. This is something that every child of God knows. The conviction of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And in John chapter 16, in uh, verse 8 and 9, Jesus says, speaking of the, the Holy Ghost, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on me. 
Now, that word reprove is translating the word elegchos. Elegchos. And that word in the Greek, it means to reprove with conviction upon the offender. To take someone, so to speak, and show them that they're wrong. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, and that's what brings a person to Christ. Uh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit lets us know that we're sinners, but when we become a Christian, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit does not stop in our hearts. And let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. And this is what's so frightening. When someone like uh, Mr. Prince makes a statement like this, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And as every child of God knows, one of the principal ways that the Holy Spirit leads us is through conviction, letting us know when our attitudes and actions are not pleasing to God. And when Mr. Prince says that the Holy Spirit doesn't do this for anybody, and he challenges us to prove it, what Mr. Prince is in effect saying is that the Holy Spirit never convicts him of his sins. And what Mr. Prince is virtually doing, he is placing himself outside the bounds of Christianity by making such a frightening statement like this. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, and let's look at verse 19 and 20. And we're going to look at some scriptures that use the word elegchos. This is number 1651 in the Strong's. Uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19 and 20. The word of the Lord says here, As many as I love, I rebuke, elegchos. I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. Jesus, the risen Lord, in the letter to the church of Laodicea, said that everyone he loves will experience elegchos and chastisement. It is the love of God that convicts us and chastises us. So what a frightening statement to say, the Holy Spirit never does that to me and never does it to anybody. That is frightening and disturbing. Let's look at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11, the word says this, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove, elegchos them. Reprove, elegchos them. And once again, I am going to call this morning on John Wesley's old friend, Adam Clark to give us some insight here. This is what Mr. Clark says. He says, But rather reprove them. Bear a testimony against them. Convince them that they are wrong. Confute them in their vain reasons. Reprove them for their vices which are flagrant while pretending to superior illumination. All these meanings has the Greek word elegchos which we generally render to convince or reprove. 
And we have come to a place in the apostate American religious system that to do that is absolutely unacceptable. This is the premise of Mr. Prince and Mr. Osteen that to do this is just absolutely unacceptable because we must speak positive things. And this is absolutely taking the church... Well, they'll never take the church into the sewer, but this is taking the... uh, modern American religious system into deep apostasy. And what they're doing is scarcely even recognizable as biblical Christianity because it's not. Now, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, holding fast, and this is addressed to the bishop, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince Elegchos, the gainsayers. And here we see the responsibility of every elder to use the Word of God and sound doctrine. It is the Word of God that brings the conviction, Elegchos, of the Holy Spirit upon people. Now, let's look at Second Timothy. So, you see, to make a statement like this, this is just to say that everything the Bible says a ministry should be and a Christian should be, we're not going to do it. Uh, it, isn't, it. There is no such thing, and we're not going to do it. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to read verse 2 and 3. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, elegchos, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And here again, we are instructed to use the Word of God and sound doctrine to bring about elegchos and repentance on uh, people. Now, We must ask the question, what is sound doctrine? And the Apostle Paul makes that abundantly clear, as does the Apostle John and the Apostle Peter. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. If any man teach otherwise, and that means any man, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, comma, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. Doesn't say he knows a little bit, said he doesn't know anything. But doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. Sound doctrine is consenting to the wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus says something, I consent to it. I agree with it. And what could be more prideful than when Jesus tells us something to say, oh, I know something better than that. Now, a person that does that, does, that does not consent to Jesus' words, it's not that they know a little bit. They don't know nothing. They are proud. 
And what could be more prideful than thinking that you can disregard what Jesus says and say something better? Now, we're going to close out with a word of prayer this morning. And stay tuned right after we close in a word of prayer. We are going to have a testimony from Rebecca Oji. And as I said at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, Sister Rebecca flew in from Atlanta to spend a day with us, and what a blessed day. And I know that the things, you know, I don't run this ministry like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Casper the Friendly Ghost would always go around saying, Will you be my friend? And I hope everybody is my friend. But we don't run it like Casper the Friendly Ghost. We run it in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I hope everybody's my friend, but I'm not going to budge off that which God has committed unto us to be anybody's buddy. Now understand that. I hope everybody's my pal, but I know that's not going to be the way it's going to be. But for everyone that would oppose us and contend with us, one Rebecca O.J. is worth 10,000 of them. When you see that soul set free and set on fire for God, my goodness, that's what it's all about, folks. And that's what we want to see a lot of in 2015. And in her testimony, something that really amazed me, she talks about how that at Christmas time, she said, and she come from southern Nigeria, that she couldn't understand why at Christmas time this was the very height of the voodoo celebrations. And as she puts it, they carried on more than ever at Christmas time. And she says, I am so thankful to know about Christmas. Now I understand. But let's close out with a word of prayer and uh, stick around and listen to her testimony. It'll bless your heart this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for each and every one listening to the broadcast this morning. Father, we pray that in 2015, we are more fruitful from ever than bringing people into the kingdom of God and setting the captives free. Lord, teach us how to partner together as a body in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And we give you the praise, mighty God, in Jesus' name, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week on FOJC Radio Church. Thank you for being a part of FOJC Radio Church. You can contact us at FOJC, Post Office Box 4174, Evansville, Indiana, 47724-4174. Or you can call us at area code 812-473-3735. Or you can email us at 
lastdayschurch at cs.com. Or you can check out our website at www.ritualabusefree.org. That's all one word, ritualabusefree.org. That's R-I-T-U-A-L-A-B-U-S-E-F-R-E-E dot O-R-G. And please remember to tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Time. Thanks and God bless. You're listening to FOJC Radio, where truth in the Word of God is found. Hello, everyone. This is Donna Carico, and I'm here with our sister in the Lord, Miss Rebecca O.G., She's um, from Mableton, Georgia, originally from Nigeria. And we're having uh, a great time of prayer here. She came all the way from Georgia to meet with us and get prayer. And we're just so excited for her to be here. So right now, I'm going to turn the mic over to Rebecca. And she's going to just give you a little bit of her testimony. So, Rebecca, go right ahead. Okay. Thank you, Sister Dana. I am very happy to to be here with Sister Dana and Brother David today, and uh, I'm happy to I'm happy to to get to know them because I, for a very long time I was I had a lot of disappointment with pastors with fake pastors churches here and there I didn't know where to go and uh, I prayed God to show me His people I said there must be. Good people are there. There must be true believers out there who will, who likes to worship God, the Spirit, and the truth. And uh, before I knew it, God answered the prayers and led me to uh, brother and sister, uh, sister Dana and brother David. So I didn't care how much it's going to cost me to come from Georgia to come see them so we can talk. And uh, you know, um, I, I I came and I'm, I'm glad I came. And then. Uh, Everything about her book, about the book that I've read, is just the truth, nothing but the truth. And um, about the Christmas, the 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 from from beating to bitter, the book I've read is a very powerful one. And uh, when I read through it, it, you know, actually energized me. I feel like going out there and do what Jesus wants us to do. And coming here today to meet with them has been a blessing. About Christmas, but I, I had question about it long time ago because in Nigeria, both the voodoo worshippers, the witch, witch, witch doctors, everybody, they celebrate it. They call the Christmas. <laughs> they call the Christmas. The Christmas, the small New Year, and, 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 the, and the New Year, the big New Year. They celebrate big time with the drum and the beating and the singing and carry on. So I never knew why they were doing it. Of reading from the, the book, uh, the book that I read from uh, uh, Sadan uh, wrote, I found that why they are celebrating because it's not it's not necessarily 
Christmas, the birth of Christ is just a ritual that they go through. So it's um, it's, it's it's a pleasure to 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 be able to uh, learn all this and uh, uh, having to know all the secrets about what is going on with the spiritual world. So I'm very very happy and uh, happy to know these people, uh, Sister Dana and then uh, uh, Brother David. And uh, I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad I'm very happy to, to know them. And I want you all to stay with Jesus and be the follower of Jesus and you know just do what Jesus says and uh, don't listen to what others are doing because uh, it's really very bad out there with the, with the churches. Thank you. <laughs> we want to praise the Lord and thank the Lord for sending Rebecca our way. We're really thrilled because uh, Rebecca has uh, six children and two of which live in uh, Nigeria and the rest of them here in the States and she's going to be sharing our resources with them so they can share it wherever they are so praise God for that and if there's anyone else that wants to ask questions or uh, come visit us just give us a call at 812-473-3735 God bless you all thanks for listening this is January 3rd 2015